0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. During this episode, I will continue my conversations with a few of CPA Practice Advisors' 2016 Most Powerful Women in Accounting. And when that announcement was made in October 2016, the editor-in-chief of CPA Practice Advisors said that, quote, these leaders are setting new standards for professionalism with accounting. And I agree, couldn't agree more. These are leaders who are absolutely driving the direction of the profession. And today, I'm gonna get to speak with one of these talented leaders, Robin Hall. Before we get into the conversation with Robin, today's conversation and this entire podcast series is made possible because of our podcast partners. That's Entrylist, NEAT, and SmartBiz Loans. Entrylist is a must-have solution for both you your firm in your bookkeeping process and your firm's clients. They provide automated bill pay that integrates seamlessly with cloud accounting solutions, a wide range of them, including QuickBooks Online. Entrylist converts your supplier's bills into accounting data and lets you automate that payment process. Now, if you're providing bookkeeping services for your clients, that automation of that entire accounts payable process gives you a significant increase in margins. Now, Entryless is offering our podcast listening audience 2,000 automated bills for free, and you can learn more about that offer at woodard.com slash podcast. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Robin. Robin is the president and principal consultant of VARC Solutions, specializing in QuickBooks and QuickBase training and consulting. Now her specialty is taking small and large business clients to the next level. Wherever you are in that emerging uh, cycle, Robin will get you through that emerge process and allow you to scale. And she'll also teach those businesses how to be self-sufficient. And Robin's the developer of several tools that assist clients and other accountants and is certified in numerous products such as Quickbase, T-Sheets, of course, the entire QuickBooks product line, Method, and Revel. Now, I couldn't begin to list all the awards that Robin has earned over the past six years, but her most recent achievements include being named as one of CPA Practice Advisors 2016, Most Powerful Women in Accounting, obviously, because she's part of this series with us, Insightful Accountants 2016, QuickBooks Pro Advisor, 100 award winner and top trainer writer and into its 2016 sales excellence award. Now in just a minute we're going to get into that conversation with Robin but I want to share another must-have solution for both your firm and your firm's clients. Neat. Now Neat's software, I know you think of them as a scanner company but their software is something you should really look at. It extracts data from both emailed and scanned documents regardless of the type of scanner you use or even how you get that document into NEAT. The data becomes live and usable and liberated, and it integrates with QuickBooks Online. Now, I recommend you that you go today and sign up for the two-month free trial that NEAT is offering exclusive to our podcast listeners. Simply go to woodard.com slash podcast, and you'll learn all about it. All right, now let's jump into that conversation with Robin. Robin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me here, Joe. I'm very excited to be here today.
0: Well, it is great to have you on board. You are a premium example of exactly how a successful Intuit-centric consulting firm should operate. I mean, I've been to your offices in Houston and it's an amazing operation, an amazing infrastructure that you've built. So I'm excited about the conversation because I know there are a lot of QuickBooks consultants who are listening to the podcast today and they're thinking, okay, how can I take that next step and how can I emerge from wherever I am today? If it's sole prop to working with a couple of employees to building out an organization like yours where they can be winning sales awards issued by Intuit and they can be among the most influential people within the profession. So let's talk about your journey a little bit. When you were moving from a sole prop to a firm with multiple employees, big, big step, right? How did you know it was the right thing and how did you know it was the right time?
1: So a couple things on there. The first thing that I did was I actually When I was out training clients, nobody was in my office answering the phone. So I had a lot of missed calls. I had a lot of missed opportunities. And so that was my first signal that I needed to do something. So I didn't have enough to bring somebody in full time. I didn't have enough confidence to bring somebody in that did what I did full time because it was, well, if I teach them everything I have, then they'll just go open up next door. So I had some of that fear that was holding me back a little bit. And so the first thing that I did was I hired someone that would answer the phone and so they could be productive while they answered the phone. So I didn't just have a receptionist hanging around, but I had a part-time high school person that had a good phone voice that could answer the phone, that could do some data entry on my bookkeeping clients that I ended up doing at night, that I would do when I really should be spending time with my kids. And at that point, my kids were pretty young. So, you know, I hired someone in to field some of those calls, even if it was to say she's out right now, she's on with another client, she'll call you back. Because they got a voice, they got to know that, that it was a real business on the other line and not just someone that was maybe going to be there and maybe not going to be there. So that was my kind of first step. And so and I had to prove to myself that I had enough that they could pay for themselves. So that's always been important to me is every time I've added There's always going to be a little dip because there's that training, but they need to be able in a certain amount of time to pay for themselves and be a value added to the team. So my growth over been in business 17 years now. So my growth has gone from myself in my spare bedroom to a 4,000 square foot office with 13 of us. I wait till we're at about 120% capacity. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to, to add somebody else because we have that to move over. And so I do stretch the limits a little bit, which Joe, you and I would probably disagree with, but, you know, I do stretch the limits a little bit to make sure that I'm, I'm ready for that next step and not putting an undue burden on um, the staff. And then I feel personal responsibility. So I don't want to bring somebody in and then two months later go, oh, I don't have enough work, so I got to let you go.
0: So. Yeah, and I want to drill down on what you meant by that because I, there was a little bit of an, uh, of an inside reference to a long-term conversation we've been having related to the e-myth. And what Robin is saying, and I think a lot of fe- people listening would agree with this, and I actually agree with you more than I like to admit whenever we're arguing about it. But Robin's saying that before I bring on a new person, I want to make sure that I have compression. I have A compression of client need so i am going to push my own consulting schedule a little harder and then i'm going to hire that person as a pressure valve for myself Um, and that's actually a very smart strategy because it means that from the time you hire the person to the time where they start generating profits for you it shortens that curve but it also like robin just said reduces the risk of a premature hire And then having to give somebody the disappointing news that yeah we just brought you on board but looks like we don't have the work to sustain you now the downside of that and robin this is the ongoing conversation we have and i think you've picked the lesser of two evils here but the uh, downside of that is when you're in one of these seasons where you're building up that pressure that compression you don't have as much attention to focus on on your business as you've increased the involvement in, but it's cyclical anyway, right? I mean, as soon as you've hired somebody and you've got that pressure valve release now, you can go back to your business plan and you can shore things up and, and do a little bit of that strategic work. Correct?
1: Joe, you are absolutely right. So you and I have had the long conversation about the E-Myth. We've probably had it for about 10, 15 years. And so, Contrary to what that says, you've always said, you know, you're doing the e-myth busted. And so I'm, I'm putting it on its end. So I'm actually, as much as I hate to admit it, saying a little bit that you're right, that I really do need to step back and work on my business more instead of in it. So as I've had some of this growth and now I'm up to 13 employees, um, you know, I've had conversations, I'm working on things that now I need to take the position that I am the coach and not the player. So I need to take myself out of that player role. And I have a long struggle with that. You know, I need to be that player so that I can be in touch with the issues that are going on with QuickBooks and how best to consult and how best to train my staff and how best to do that. But if I'm too far down in the weeds, then I can't do the direction of the company. So even today, 17 years in, I have that internal struggle of what's the right time, what's the right balance to do that. So uh, I teeter-totter back and forth on that, um, but I am taking more a more aggressive role in becoming that full-time coach and not part-time coach, part-time player.
0: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I think everybody listening needs to do if they're going to ever create scale. I have a business mentor. He's also my CPA. And before I ever hired my first person, as I was sitting across from him at breakfast, swearing that I never would hire my first person. And this was long before I launched an events organization. This was when when my entire business model was QuickBooks Consulting. He said, well, Joe, you've got a choice in life. You can either earn money or you can accumulate wealth. And by accumulate wealth, he didn't just mean, you know, sort of how capitalistic are you or how, how big of a house do you wanna have? What he was getting at is, Do you want to uh, earn money trading hours for dollars, however you slice that up, so that if you are working, you're making money, and if you're not working, you're not making money, and you want to do that all the way to the day you, you die or retire? For me, that's going to be the same thing. Or do you want to build an organization that's bigger than you, that's scaled beyond your efforts, greater than the sum of your parts, and is something someone might want to buy one day? So you have an asset. And when I understood the power of that distinction, build a sellable asset, be greater than the sum of your parts, um, and it has financial implications, and it has visionary implications. Because Robin, you are absolutely passionate about the transformation of small business, which you know is Woodard's core vision. Um, And you're transforming many more small businesses with an organization of your size than you ever could have done by yourself. So both financially and in terms of the fulfillment of your passion, you, you know, building something is almost always better for everybody listening today. Now you've got a phrase, Robin, that says, where you, where you describe eating your own dog food. And I know that that phrase is used often in the business world, but can you explain what you mean by it for the pro advisor and the Intuit reseller?
1: I, I can, Joe, but I want to go back real quick because I want to I wanna hit on one more point if you don't mind.
0: No, no problem.
1: I want to go back and I do want to give you a compliment and say that you were indirectly responsible for me doing my transition going from player to coach. And let me explain that just a little bit. So I believe it was two years ago, one of your speakers that you had at the conference in which I taught every session. So I was absolutely tired. I went to the the last session where somebody else was speaking and it was about predictable success. I was so tired, I could barely keep my eyes open, but I was listening and that session woke me up like you wouldn't believe. So I went back, I read his book, I went to a session on predictable success because that's what we want. We want success, not just for us, but for our customers. And I want it to be the same. I want people to have the experience, whether it's with me or with my, with my staff, with my team. And so that's what I always struggled with was if I add people, are they going to get the same level of skill, same level of competency that they're getting with my team as they are with me? And so that predictable success, I believe, gave us that. And so this kind of goes with the first question. How do you know it's time to, to hire that first person? One of the first exercises he had us do was do an org chart. Not put people that work for you in a box that they're in, but design your org chart how you want it to be, and then put the people who are doing those jobs in that org chart. Joe, how many boxes do you think that Robin was in?
0: Whenever I did this exercise with, by the way, this is Les McEwen, is the author of Predictable Success. I went to the same workshop Robin went to, which is why I brought him in as a speaker at the show. You'll be excited to know Robin, and he's going to be back in June. When I did this same exercise, I was in uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 boxes.
1: Yeah, I was in nine boxes. Mm -hmm. And so it it was very eye-opening. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be in nine boxes.
0: Exactly right. Maybe in an organization the size of yours and mine, and even though our business models are now a little different, I think organizationally we're about match. Maybe you're in two or three. Like right now I'm in CEO, CMO, and COO. There are no C-level executives in my corporation but me. Um, I have executive directors. But so, yeah, that makes sense. But I was in all sorts of boxes, all spread across the entire of the org chart and the entire of the reporting structure and no wonder I was exhausted and no wonder I was holding the organization back.
1: Correct. And, and that's what I was. And so, so ultimately to answer your first question, how do you know, do your org chart. If you're doing everything, then it's time to hire that next person. If you want a day off, it's time to hire that next person. So there, there's several factors that generally are staring us straight in the face that we tend to ignore for long periods of time.
0: Hmm. Yep. You're absolutely right. So, um, so let's go over to that comment. Now you have a very unique application for the eating your own dog food colloquialism that applies to the pro advisor, QuickBooks consultant, technology consultant. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, as you call it, eating your own dog food. Some people like to say sipping their own champagne. Um, you know, it's, we're a trusted advisor, so I don't want to recommend something to a client that I don't intimately know. So, you know, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to say, oh, you need to go in and do T-sheets and it's the best thing since sliced bread and it's going to do this. And I've never opened the product. I don't use it. I've never tried it out on my, on my staff. I've never tried it out and made sure that it works and how it integrates in. If I don't know the ins and the outs, if I don't know where, you know, maybe not where it's um, imperfections are. I need to know those things so that I can consult better on it, so I can consult around the imperfections if there is any, and then I know that it's the best product for their business. Obviously, there's thousands of products that now connect with, with QuickBooks and QuickBooks Online, but you can't know all of them, but you have to be able to train in the ones that you do know and let that be your niche. Let that be the ones that you're guiding your customers to. Otherwise, you're just going to be referring things out because you've heard that name or you saw it at a conference. If you want to refer something out, make sure that you use it. Make sure that you know it. Make sure that you're true to that and you're doing that product justice and you're doing your clients justice.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. And that's what you're practicing on your side. And I know QuickBase, which I know in, into it just divested, but you know QuickBase Base it is your niche in terms of technology. Tell us a little bit about how QuickBase differentiated your practice and how you're eating your own dog food with that product.
1: Sure. With, with QuickBase, it's, um, it's an online database. So you can build um, anything you need out of it. So we started using it as a CRM. I tried to use QuickBooks and use the custom fields and say, what version people were on and, and use it as a glorified CRM. Well, it's an accounting system that has some CRM functionality, but it's not a CRM. So I took it to its limits and then I said, I have to find something else. So at that time, you know, I was actually at an a conference and they happened to have someone that said, you know, we have a QuickBase engineer and you can ask them anything you want. You can have a free hour with them. So for people that know me well enough, I'm like, sign me up. So I sat and I talked to the engineer and I said, they said, what do you want to know? I said, I don't know anything. So tell me what you, what you have. So I sat down with them and it was something that I could make into whatever I could dream. So I track everything about my clients, everything I've done with them, everything I want to do with them, everything from when, um, our timesheets from T-sheets go into there they go into QuickBooks. I know how much time I've spent on them, billable, non-billable. I know um, all of my opportunities. I know what version people are on. I know everything about them. So I can use it to for my technicians to service the clients and they know what they need to do next. All the way to my sales staff can look at them to see what products they have. We know what constant contacts to send out. We know what marketing to send to them. We know if they are sunset in their version of QuickBooks. Everything that we need to know about them, when we call them, we can go, oh, you have a payroll question. I see you're on version X. That's outdated, and that's not going to work. I didn't have to log in. I didn't have to see what it is. I already knew everything about them and what their problem was before I even talked to them.
0: Now, Guys, I hope you're really, really getting what Robin is saying here, and I know some of you are listening to this as you're driving down the interstate, so just process the concept and know... What she's done in Quickbase is, is super sophisticated, and it's because Robin has numerous people that are supporting, you know, hundreds of clients at any given time. It's a massive organization. But the, the the action item I want to give you from Robin's comment is, yes, eventually, the more sophistication, the better as long as it's manageable for the size of your organization. But wherever you start, start now to document the essential information, about your clients in the areas where you support your clients. But because Robin knows when their product is about to sunset for the QuickPost desktop products, she can reach out to them ahead of that sunset period and help them to not have any interruptions in their payroll services, for example, because the product became sunset. And sh- And through that proaction, she's not only better servicing her clients, but she's also turning... The brush fires that we experience when our clients call us hours before the payroll uh, submission deadline and say, I can't process payroll into a now measured task load. So getting ahead of the deadlines and the client's not panicked, her people aren't panicked, and she's making a lot more money. If the client gets panicked and they can't push their payroll, they might call into it, wait on hold, For however long they might have to wait on hold because they don't have the pro advisor support we have and barely make the deadline or miss it and then robin's completely cut out of the mix and the client's not best served so even if it's an excel spreadsheet folks do something to get the process going to track the data and the more you can build that into something a fully formed crm um, the better now robin we could talk about the way you run your practice all day and i know we could do it all day because you formed your strategies into a set of courses that you've taught at scaling new heights in the past so rather than continuing this because our time is limited can you tell us a little bit about the kind of courses you've taught at scaling new heights because we know you're coming back in june tell us about consultathon tell us about the operational consulting courses
1: sure so uh I think I've taught since the first year, maybe the second year um, at Scaling Heights, and I look forward to it every year. And it's a great teaching experience for me. One of the, my favorite classes is moving from a sole prop to kind of a mid-market, um, navigating in the Intuit universe. I call it the big blue ocean. So, you know, I, I kind of go through the steps that I went through. We talked a little bit about today, going through and hiring your first person how to talk to Intuit personnel, what they need to know at Joe's conference. You know, you bring us, Joe, you bring us so many Intuit people and we wanna tell each and every one of them everything that we know about every Intuit product. And that's not really good for them, it's not really good for us. And so one of the parts of that session that I go through is how to efficiently talk to an Intuit personnel to get done what you need to get done. And I actually bring an example in there of what I did that actually I saw changes in the product because I brought the problem to the right person. And so I saw changes and that Intuit person routinely checks in with me to see because of the way that we documented everything and gave it to them. So that's one of the things that we did. One of my other favorite classes is we did a consultathon. So it was nine sessions long. We went through everything from building a team to getting a pitch from a client, finding out what their needs are, what questions to ask back, looking at third-party products, how to integrate that in, and then how to turn it back around to do the sales pitch back for the client to get that sale at the end. So we went from A to Z and taught them everything they needed to know.
0: And this experience was highly interactive, Robin, and the teams even competed. And there was a winner who had kind of serviced the hypothetical, theoretical client the best over the, over the course of the consultathon. Now, folks, I know that that was just a brief flyby of it. But if this sort of a highly interactive workshop that trains you on everything Robin's been talking about on today's podcast, if that's interesting to you, I need you to let us know. Because training is all about supply and demand, like any other product that you provide to a consumer. And we need to know that you want this, and we'll offer it again. So if you're interested in Consultathon, send an email to info at and just tell us in the email that you would like us to add Consultathon back either to Scaling New Heights or as a standalone experience, and we'll do that with Robin again. Now, Robin, as one of the most influential women in accounting and as one of the most successful pro advisors on the planet, I want to ask you two questions, and I know that your answers are going to mean a lot to the audience here. What is one of the biggest challenges you believe the accounting profession is facing right now, and what is the biggest opportunity available to the accounting profession right now?
1: So I think the biggest challenge that the accounting profession has right now is redefining what accounting is. It's not redefining the debits and the credits. It's how we're working. Technology has changed this industry. It has always been a very reactive profession. People come in, they say, I need X. We give them X. Um, We do what people ask. Now we're needing to anticipate what their needs are. We need to be ahead of the curve. And we need to have a solution for their problem before they even know that they have a problem. I love that. So, you know, as far as the biggest opportunity, our biggest challenge is our biggest opportunity. Our biggest opportunity is there is no road in front of us. We get to pave our own road. Every day, if you look back at the last three, four scaling new heights, the conversation on QBO changed four years ago when jill ward i believe it was four years ago when jill ward came out and said you can have both it's peanut butter and chocolate it's the reese's peanut butter cup of quickbooks you can have the desktop applications with the online features you can have both and you can migrate over to the online world as you need to and as you are comfortable with doing so so us getting comfortable with that us moving our clients that's our biggest opportunity um more and more, we have things that, that you know, you can do a tax return on a cell phone now. You know, all the way down to that, five years ago, you would have never thought that. You would have, a cell phone was for calling somebody. Now you have all your accounting opportunities right there on your phone. You can be anywhere and everywhere for your clients. Your clients don't have to be next door. And your employees don't have to be next door. See, there you
0: go. You just hit the nail on the head. So if I could break that down, what you're saying is there's a new wave of technology answers to small business problems. Whereas quite frankly, if Intuit hadn't embraced the cloud, if the cloud had not come along, you know, we had a very comfortable and either confident or overconfident QuickBooks desktop user base. They were saying to the accounting profession, we figured this out. We've got it all down. We don't need you. And now there's this world of opportunity available to them, and it's foreign to them again. It's almost like going back to the early 1990s and mid-1990s in this massive wave of Intuit-generated small business energy. But then you said we get this double benefit because bring our clients to the cloud as a consulting opportunity. When we embrace it, our clients can become – virtualized and anywhere in the world and our employees can become virtualized in anywhere in the country and that means that it gives you uh, in, in my opinion the ability to recruit the best possible talent at the lowest possible cost not that you're going to pay that person less but you don't have to deal with a lot of the infrastructure of traditionally supporting them so yeah you just nailed it robin that's a huge opportunity for us
1: yeah, Joe, I, I, think, I think the possibilities are endless for us. I think it's our turn and it's our time to redefine what we want our clients, our staff, our team to look like. And, you know, the world's our oyster. We have in front of us whatever we want to do. And we have the power to, to change what the accounting industry looks like.
0: But we've got to be not a thermometer we have to be a thermostat we have to affect that change and Robin you are a living breathing example of that thanks for being that not just for women professionals that's the nature of your award but for every single accounting professional on the planet they should be watching what you're doing and they should be imitating that and of course coming to your classes at scaling new heights it's gonna be exciting to have you back in June thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today
1: thanks for having me today Joe
0: And thank you for tuning in to today's podcast and our conversation with Robin Hall. Now, smartbizloans.com, our third podcast partner, is perfect for those times when you or your clients need to refinance high-cost debt or get additional working capital. Because Smart Biz Loans is a traditional lending facilitation company. It's SBA loans, bank loans, low-interest loans, that are normally extremely involved to secure. And that application process is streamlined by these guys so your clients can get the funding that they need as quickly as seven days after the application is complete and approved. So if you go to water.com slash podcast, you'll find out more information about smartbizloans.com including how you and your clients can save $500 on loan closing costs. Go there today. And for more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series, or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights.